Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Tim, what's going on? Not much. Uh, it's right before Thanksgiving when we're ready to record, so I'm looking forward to the holidays and um, things are good. Yeah, and, and you have a special guest on the show today. Who did you bring on the show? So today I brought on Stephanie Link. You know, we've talked a lot in the podcast about our wealth management formula, mm-hmm. we focus on wealth transfer, wealth protection, charitable giving, wealth enhancement, and obviously not obviously, but to obvious to most of our clients, the investment process is critical, as well as what we call our professional network and our relationship, you know, with our team. So today I wanted to introduce the listeners to a professional, uh, Stephanie Link. She works with us, works with our team, not just on helping us manage the the portfolios and the assets for our clients, but also with helping us communicate uh, what's going on with the market, with the portfolios, how we're responding, et cetera. So I'm pretty. I'm very excited about bringing Stephanie on. I'm a big fan, um, so that's who we're bringing on today. Oh, I'm so excited, Stephanie! Thank you so much for being on the show. I know that Tim has got a a lot of things that you guys are going to be discussing, and I'm I'm here to listen along with the audience. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So I'll I'll just start by just saying, you know, you you can Google Stephanie and find it all the cool <laughs> stuff about, you know, the chief investment strategist and head of investment solutions, et cetera. Um, but what I wanted to talk about a little more about is getting to know Stephanie a little better because um, we we talk about, Stephanie doesn't know this, but her ears are probably burning all the time because we <laughs> reference her and talk about her and about things she provides to us with our clients literally five, six times a day with different meetings. So maybe Stephanie, you can start by just giving us a little background on, you know, how did you get into the industry, kind of your background? Sure. And and again, thanks so much, Tim, for having me. So I'm in the business for 30 years. My family, uh, they are pretty much all of them were in the business as financial advisors. There's a firm that no longer exists, but uh, they all started at a company called Dean Witter. Oh, sure. Yeah. So way back in the day, and then they merged with Morgan Stanley. So they started there and they uh, have all been in the business for a very, very long time. And when I was young, I, as an intern, I actually would work for them and cold call and uh, kind of realized right away that I didn't want to cold call and I didn't want to be in that part of the business on the retail side. Um, So I actually, after I graduated college, I uh, went to the the institutional desk um, and I was in the institutional sales uh, business. So more marketing analysts and and talking to uh, several of their clients, meaning pension funds and mutual funds and hedge funds and just marketing the analysts and the resources they provided. And I I got hooked. I got hooked on research. I enjoyed learning about companies. I enjoyed learning about the business. Every day is very different. So I spent 16 years on the sell side as an institutional salesperson. I eventually became a research director. Uh, and then I wanted to le- I wanted to figure out if I could run money because I, I really enjoyed it. And so I was introduced to Jim Kramer. Uh, he We had a mutual friend and Jim was looking for someone to be a portfolio manager. And 
I know you know this, Tim, but it's kind of hard to go from the sell side to the buy side. It's very different um, in terms of the, the 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 qualifications that you need. And he was willing to take a chance on on me. We met for 30 minutes and he hired me on the spot. And I worked for him and I ran his charitable trust for seven years. And then I went to uh, Nuveen and I ran a, uh, a large cap core portfolio uh, there, very similar to what I was doing with Jim, just much more money and uh, worked there for five years. And then I became the global research director as well. And then I stepped back and said, well, what do I want to do going forward? You know, I want to be in an area of the business and the industry that's growing. So the sell side, I don't know if people know this, but there's it's very competitive and it's very hard to get paid for the research. While it is quality research, it's very hard to get paid. On the buy side, you have fee compression, right? And you have passive versus active. And so I kind of wanted to find a place in the financial services industry that was growing. And so I looked at the independent wealth management business and was very excited about what I saw there and the opportunities. And I think the growth in this business, I think you're in the second or third inning at this point in this part of the industry. And of course, I wanted to be at one of the very best independent wealth management companies. And so I did some research and Hightower was absolutely on the top of the list. And uh, I just linked into our CEO and asked him if he wanted to have a coffee. And we did. And here I am. See, so you are a good cold caller then. (laughs) (laughs) It always comes around full circle, right? This is very true. Very, very true. Yeah. And I will just say I've I've been with Hightower since 2008. So uh, that's like a 14-year marriage. And I would say that one of the things that they really do well is provide great resources. And you've been one of them. Uh, So I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's uh, it's really um, the size and the scale that Hightower has now. I only can imagine what it was like when you first joined. Um, it's it's changed so much, and in such in such a good way. I think. Yeah, I, I think the founder originally told me that it's like building an airplane while you're flying. So, and it was. <laughs> it's a lot more advanced now. I must say. That's very true. Um, so, one of the things I think we are the I and the retail side. We're as you can imagine with the markets as they are this year. We're running, you know, thirty meetings, forty meetings a week with clients and. I just wanted to throw out some ideas or, or questions that we get sure. that maybe you could address for us. You know, why why is inflation, why are interest rates just throwing the market market into uncertainty so much this year compared to maybe like in the last 12, 15 years? Yeah, I think that uh, the reason is because it's so high and it's been so persistent and it's been the opposite of transitory, right? We had a Federal Reserve that was very stubborn in terms of changing their tune in terms of monetary policy. So they did what they needed to do, Tim. And I think you would probably agree that when we shut the economy down, they had to act and act very, very swiftly. And they did. Um, they cut interest rates. Uh, they, they, um, they they had a program in terms of the, the bond program of FQE, quantitative easing. And so monetary policy was so accommodative for about three years. And we all know that when you raise interest rates and you, or you lower interest rates, it's not instantaneously felt. So all of these programs that were put in place, and including the fiscal policies that were put in place, there was all kinds of money sloshing around in the system. And that's very favorable for what we call risk assets. Uh, and it was, right? In the last three years, we had a compound annual growth rate of 28%, uh, largely because of the all of this monetary and fiscal policy being put into the system. Well, this also led to inflation. 
and it not only in goods uh, inflation, but services inflation. And on top of that, you have supply chain issues. On top of that, you have China that can't decide if they want to open or close. And on top of that, you have the war. So there's so many things that happened at the same time. And the Fed was really too cautious, I think, in, in what they were doing. They should have been starting to tighten policy, meaning raise interest rates, stop buying bonds. They should have done that a year ago. And they only started in March of this year. In fact, they were buying bonds in March of this year. I mean, it was really, it's remarkable um, that the accommodation, and I just want to give a number out there because it's, it's, it's just staggering to me. If you add up all the monetary and fiscal policies that were put in place, say in the mid 2020, June, June 2020, so when we were in the heart of COVID and closures and all that sort of thing, if you added up both monetary and fiscal policies that were put in place, that was 60% of GDP. Wow, that's a lot, right? So, yeah. so back in two thousand eight, the Great Financial Crisis, uh, they they added if you added fiscal and monetary policies together, uh, it was five percent. Wow! So that's you just the, yeah, you just see that. So it's the magnitude. So that's why. In, so it, we didn't see and feel the inflation for a while, and now all of a sudden, about a year ago, we started really talking about uh, we're, we're going inflation is going to be a problem given all of this accommodation. And that's really at the end of the day, they always say, and you know this phrase just as well as I do, you don't fight the Fed, you don't fight the Fed. You don't fight the Fed when the Fed is raising interest rates, and you don't fight the Fed when they're being more accommodative. When they're being more accommodative, that's very positive. For, and when they're being more restrictive, that's where we struggle. And quite frankly, that's why the markets are struggling this year, because we are doing this reversal of policy. So we're not going to have as much fiscal policy. And now with gridlock, probably even less. And now you have a Fed that's really tightening really fast, too. I mean, we went from zero to four in you know a few months' time. And we just don't know what the impact of that is going to be uh, because of this the lag effect. It'll take we'll probably feel it sometime in 2023. All of that being said, we're down. I mean, we've had a nice rally in the last couple of days, but we're down 16% in the S&P 500. We're discounting a lot of bad news, right? Because right. the market's a forward-looking indicator. And so what I say is, in these kinds of times, turn the TV off, listen to Tim. <laughs> I know. Listen to Tim. Listen mm -hmm. to you in Great Lakes, because I'm sure you have a lot of clients that are thinking long-term and when you think about the S&P 500 and the total return on average, in the history of the S&P 500, the average return is 7%. So have fun with the last three years of 28%, not so much fun with us being down 16%, but we're going to average around and you dollar cost average and you think diversification and as I say, yeah, just turn the TV off because they like to scare people. <laughs> Definitely. They get compensated to get you all riled up, right? I know. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, that's the, you know, I would say that when I'm in a meeting with a client, I'm spending at least a third of my time initially just discussing, you know, normally in portfolio construction, there's an inverse correlation between stocks and bonds. And this sure. is one of those times where there's just no, no inverse correlation. It's all completely correlated. So how often does that happen? And how can you really... Talk about that, if you could, just so that the listener understands how why that's such a dramatic impact this year. 
Well, I mean, I, th- I think people forgot they could lose money in fixed income, right? And they are. So you have the fixed income markets down double digits and you have equity markets down double digits. And then so it's a real, it's a real, it's a whammy. We haven't had a, a Fed, a, a tight monetary policy situation in, in years. There are some people that are running money that have never seen inflation to this extent and they've never seen interest rates go in the opposite direction. We've had zero interest rates for 10 years. So just about. And that's not, it really isn't. And so all of the accommodation, well, it it was needed at certain points in time, but it got to be extreme. And not only was it here in the States, it was globally, right? I mean, everybody was uh, zero interest rate policy for, for years. And so again, that kind of feeds on itself. And unfortunately, because you have the uncertainties on recession or not, that's going to hit. And and what that means to, at the end of the day, the economy will impact earnings. And that's on the, and that's on the equity side. Well, on the interest rate side, when you're raising interest rates, that obviously is negative for the bond market. So you have a double whammy going on. And that being said, for very for for a very long time, there was no alternative because of zero interest rates. You really couldn't get any yield uh, in the fixed income market, so you had to go into the equity market and look for yield there. And 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 thankfully, companies have gotten religion and they have been using a lot of their free cash flow to increase dividends and buybacks and that sort of thing. But now, here we are. I mean, you're looking at a a ten year at. 381. You're looking at a two-year at 433. And so to the short end, actually, there is now an alternative if you want to to, to participate, even the 30-year at 401. So I, I think there is an alternative. And oh, by the way, you could actually just sit in cash too, right? You couldn't right. sit in cash I before, know. right? So so there's a lot of places now you can go. And uh, and I think if you, you know, if if you have patience, and, and I'm sure you have guided your clients on the fixed income side. You know, to have a, a like a ladder portfolio, and I think what we've been doing in investment solutions has been much more on the shorter end, medium end. You know, like two, five, seven year, because that's where you can get the that's where you can get the yield. And I don't think you need to go down quality wise at all um, at this point. So you know, this is a very very strange. It's a very strange time. It uh, it's not often you you lose money in fixed income, and uh, it's just because there's so many moving parts both again from the monetary policy side which by the way not just interest rates but they're actually you know they're trying to reduce the balance sheet too so it's right. this double whammy i mean we we've we've never really seen something like this before so we really don't know how it's all going to play out but so far the one saving grace out of all of this noise and inflation and the markets and this and that the one saving grace is that the job market remains very strong yeah and that's a good thing and wages no, are and, and wages are up you know so well, for sure. And I know like in conversations with clients, you know, where we talk about what's happening, what has happened, you know, their biggest, the thing they look for us the most for is, you know, what's the path out? Mm-hmm. I know that in working with your team, we established a number of individual bond ladders. We've kind of uh, redirected or focused a little more on value. Mm-hmm. You know, talk a little bit about why those those are maybe good strategies, maybe other strategies to kind of get through this period in, as we look forward. Sure. Well, the kind of the 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 whole reason why you want to have shorter duration in fixed income and you want to have a little bit more of a value bias is because when interest rates are going up, uh, that's usually not good 
for long duration assets, both equities and fixed income, and because it really it, it impacts the the cash flows down the road, right? And so, and and when when you think about long duration assets, that's technology and that's growth. That's what's happened this year. And in fact, the Russell 1000 growth index is down 26% year to date. And the Russell 1000 value is down 7%. So it really does speak to you want to lean a little bit more value. And I'm large cap core, so I can kind of do both. Uh, But we do have large cap value in investment solutions. We do have a dividend growth portfolio as well. Mine mine is, I can go either way. I could go growth or value. And I've been much more tilted on on value. And what is value? Value is energy, industrials, materials, financials, parts of some, some parts of discretionary. And they've held in really pretty remarkably well this year, still down. But you know it's down a lot less, so it's like winning by losing. It doesn't feel so good, but it it is. In, it's important when interest rates rise. There, there's absolutely been an underlying shift to to the value side, to longer duration. Uh, excuse me, shorter duration, and uh, and I know that's where you guys have been focused on too. Uh, I think that's going to stay for a while because I don't think even even if we got a great inflation number yesterday, the CPI, but it's still we're still at 7.7% inflation year over year. The Fed is not going to stop raising rates anytime soon, in my opinion. And while we can have days like yesterday in, and it felt really good, I think we're just going to still be bouncing around, unfortunately, because you know of, of these unknowns. Sure. You know, one of the conversations we have also with clients, I've worked for, this is my 36th year in the business. I've worked with a lot of clients uh, riding through 08, which was a traumatic event, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned, you know, the economy and unemployment and things like that. And so one of the things we try to talk to clients about is to a great extent, their statements and their portfolios look similar, but mm-hmm. a, a lot of that's because the bond and stock market are both correlated this year. Um, and we, you know, in terms of getting through and getting past and giving them a path forward, you know, we have conversations about the economy now versus the economy in 08, just to kind of compare and contrast. You know, do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, yes. Um, I would just say that this is not 2008 at all. I mean, I I think that 2008 really was all a problem with the financial services industries, the banks. They got themselves into knee deep debt. They got into a lot of leveraged products and they just weren't as well capitalized at the time. So you fast forward to 2022 and there have been massive strict policies from the regulators about capital positioning and testing, stress testing the banks. And they don't even do a lot of what they were doing. They got out of a lot of what they were doing in 2008. I, you know, I, I worry a little bit about the mortgage side of biz- the business, but a lot of the banks actually have reduced their mortgage exposure, believe it or not, as well. So they're very well capitalized, and and I just don't think that they're going to be the problem. This crypto, uh, this blow up this week is a mess, and this FTX company, which I can't even understand, by the way, and I've really right. tried hard. Right. Um, they just announced bankruptcy. What is the implications there? I went back and I looked at the bank exposure to not only this company, but also to crypto in general. And you're talking about less than 1%. I mean, like not even 0.5% of of their uh, loans and of their revenue generation. So they're not caught. That's not to say that someone's not going to get caught on the other side because somebody will, I'm sure. And that's why on Wednesday, we had a meltdown in the market uh, because people were nervous that this w- might spill over, and it it might, 
Uh, but I went to on the bank side. That's the, the you know you if you lose the banks, you're in trouble, right? right? And and that's why and that's why 2008 was scary because we we lost two banks, right? Big right. banks. So um, this is not to, this is not 2008 in my opinion. This is a garden variety recession. The Fed acted too too uh, slowly. We they've never we've never seen we've had unprecedented amounts of of stimulus that they have to work down. Um, and they're trying to slow the economy. And as I say, the good news is the job market is kind of bailing us all out. It's still really strong. Not to say that it's not going to slow because it will. That's what the Fed wants. But it's coming from such a strong position at this point. I mean, we have more job openings in this country than we have unemployed people. Right. So so that's why it's different this time. It could be just a recession because the Fed over engineers and over tightens. And, but then they'll be able to pivot and change. Uh, and they will. Um, we just gotta. We've just gotta pay the. We have to pay the bill, right? I mean, <laughs> nothing comes for free. And uh, you know, we're now paying back what what we what we were given over the last three years. And hopefully, they can engineer a soft landing. And and that's why you know that's why the market did such a was so strong yesterday because if inflation comes down, and the job market stays strong, and the dollar comes down, all of this is good for earnings. And it's also good for the economy. It's kind of like a it's it is kind of a soft landing scenario. I don't know. It's a it's very hard to say we're, we're going to soft land because they don't have the Fed doesn't have a really good track record. But sure. that's what they're trying to do. And it sounds like, you know, I mean, I, I listen to your when you're on CNBC, I, I read your materials as they come out. But it sounds like this would be like a the, I'm getting a forest view picture that you might share with your parents or your friends. Like this is what what should they be doing going forward and as they're looking forward and also like what should they be list, looking for? So like we've talked to our clients about keeping their ear open for peak inflation, you know, some indication of that or some indication that the Fed might be slowing down or stopping raising. I mean, is that what you're looking for or what what do you what are you looking for? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, well, number one, I think the job market is the most important because okay. that's the thing that's been so strong. So keep an eye on the you know job openings numbers, which is called jolts. It's a little not to get too much into the weeds, but look at the look at the non-farm payroll numbers. The initial claims, I never look at the weekly claims. I always look at the four-week moving average because that's it's more smooth. And so, so the job market, if that starts to roll and roll hard, then we might have a problem. Because that's the one thing that's been propping us up. Inflation certainly is is number two, and we did get a little a little whiff of uh, inflation being a little less bad. But as I mentioned, we're still at seven point seven percent year over year inflation, uh, and the Fed is not going to be pleased with. And you know, overall, I would I would look and watch for the consumer. So consumer is seventy five percent of the U.S. GDP, and if the consumer starts to roll over and 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 not spend um and and not and 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 really retreat that that will be a problem for now consumer has been actually pretty resilient they're not buying as many goods but they are doing more on terms of services restaurants and travel and and leisure and and that sort of thing and that's important because services is 70% of us consumption so we want to root for services. We want to root for the consumer, and we we want to hope that they can continue to find jobs and get paid more for it because wages have actually gone higher as well. Awesome. So I'm going to just switch with kind of a final question that's a little different off topic. But you know, when I graduated from college and I studied accounting, I would say when I was in the accounting program at University of Illinois, at the time, more than half of the CPA candidates, fellow students, were women, 
And then when I entered the the big eight at the time, the big four now, and worked in public accounting, it was the same way. When I entered the investment world, the wealth management, financial planning world, it really is not that way at all. It's it's very hmm. male dominated. Um, so you've had you obviously had great mentors, like you said earlier, with family in the business and people who helped. But if you were to talk to younger Stephanie coming out of college, coming going to college, you know, how would you talk? How, what would you say to somebody? A, a woman who's looking to get into the industry and kind of break in like you have. Yeah, it, I mean, it it was not easy. My when I told when I told you I, I uh, my first job uh, was on a trading desk. I was only one of three women on a trading desk of five hundred men. Yeah. So, uh, so to your point, yes, it has come a long way for sure, but we're no nowhere near where we where we need to be. Not only did I have mentors in in my uh, in my family, I was very very fortunate throughout my career to have mentors. My first job, sitting on that trading desk, I was sitting next to two men, of course, in the business for 30 some odd years, and they just taught me everything. And I think it's really important to find mentors to help, not only to to help teach you the business, but to kind of coach you in your career. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't, by the way, my first job, I didn't even know really what institutional sales was. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. So they taught me at such a young age and- that was so helpful. Secondly, my father, who uh, you know been been in the business a very very long time, he he said, "I don't really care what you do. I want you to be happy, but I also want you to be financially independent." And there, this industry, you can be financially independent, and um, I think that's that that is so important. It's 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 such a powerful thing uh, that you can do whatever you want to do and. You have to work hard at it, but it is very rewarding. Now, I think that that what I, I love to run money. You know, uh, you you love to do what you're doing in terms of advising. Any way you look at it, if if you enjoy it, that's important, right? I mean, you have to be happy at what you're doing. And I and I also find like I learn something new every day. And so I would say, if you're interested in this business, seek out people that can help you and can coach you and can guide you. And find a piece of this part of the business that can make you financially independent. It's very rewarding. And also find a firm that values both work and off and, and non-work, right? It's very important. I know growing up, you know, I was just 24-7 work, 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 work. The one one of the many things that are so great about Hightower is that they really do want balance. They want work and life balance, and that's very important too. You've got to stop and smell the roses along the way. Yeah, I I agree with you totally. I, you know, I look at us all as entrepreneurs, business owners, but at the same time, you can't just do it yourself. You have to really leverage Hightower. You know, companies like Hightower because they bring you best practices. They give you the opportunity to collaborate with some of the best in the business, and they give you the resources you need to really serve your clients better. Plus, you know, it's more cost effective. I mean, we made the decision when we merged three practices four years ago to become Hightower Great Lakes that to re- to remain small, to remain boutique, we each needed to be part of a larger organization. So we can be independent, but at the same time, we also need to leverage, you know, these uh, these technology firms, especially because of the world we're in. It's just, it just, yeah. it, it, you just have to be part, partner with a great firm. And this is one of the best in the, in the business. It's, uh, it's, it's really, a, it's fun to see, even in the two and a half years I've been at the firm, how much we've done in terms of growth and M&A and organic growth too. So 
it's uh it's been a it's been a pleasure awesome so if there's listeners out there i know who follow you you have a big following in fact we've had I think two examples of people have just reached out to us to work with us because they wanted to work with you. So thank you. Oh, great. Uh, but I would just say if they want to follow you, reach out to you, what, what's the best place to, to do that? Sure. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Uh, my handle is Stephanie underscore link. So I do accept everybody. Uh, and I do have uh, some conversations with people. And uh, I do also put a lot of my written work and my video work on LinkedIn as well. So you can take a look and see if you're interested there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, I can't tell you how happy I am. And actually all my partners were looking forward to this. So I know oh. we're, this will probably be the most listened to downloaded podcast we do all year. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Tim. It was such fun. I can't wait to do the next one. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Well, I had a bunch of fun too. This has been great. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. I don't have any doubt that this is going to be one of the most downloaded ones Tim's has. Tim, again, you facilitate such a great podcast. Thank you so much. Of course, our last thank you is for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the WellStream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Associates, LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Great Lakes and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates, make no representations or warranties express or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. Hightower Great Lakes and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. 
The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.